Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Progress Over Perfection Coaching Podcast. My name is Patrick Dedrick, and I'm the founder of Progress Over Perfection Coaching and your host, and I want to thank you so much for listening in. Progress Over Perfection Coaching is a podcast focused on career management and development by offering insight on how to build an intentionally balanced and purpose-filled career. This episode's been a long time coming, and it actually has origins as an introductory informational networking conversation, as I was thinking about starting these career deep dive episodes. That subtly transformed into exactly what I wanted those kinds of podcast episodes to feel like. Fast forward to today, and I'm so happy to share with you a conversation with Lindsay Hillier. Lindsay has an extensive background in HR, having held senior leadership roles with Yum! Restaurants International, Walmart, and Mars. She's an educator in the field of HR and an independent coach for individuals and teams. I had such a fun time with her, and I'm excited to share our conversation with you. Let's get started. Lindsay, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, great to have you on. I think um, usually start these these episodes kind of reflecting on, you know, how we got to know each other or how we got connected and, you know, what made me think of you for for this podcast. And I think, um, you know, we had the, the referral from a common friend through work. And then as we were talking through no intention to do a, a podcast or an interview, I think I remember saying like halfway through like, shoot, this feels like kind of a podcast that I want to like, do you like just the flow of everything. So just, um, you just have a, a very welcoming, uh, kind of presence, uh, even, even through just a phone call. So I'm really glad that you were open to, to coming on for an episode. I think you've got a lot to share. Thank you. No. And thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Thank you. Great. Yeah. Well, I think um, love to start these episodes. You know, I, I did a little intro for your career, kind of the, the highlights, um, teeing up the episode, but I want to give you a chance to kind of walk through your career because this is a, a, you know, focused on career development. So what was important to you kind of throughout your career journey and how'd you get to where you are today? Yeah. So, you know, my um, call it kind of quick story is it, it was really interesting. Actually, I, I, I somehow knew at a young age, I'm not, I'm not sure how I'm still trying to discover how I figured this out at a young age, but I, I realized at a young age going into university that I did want to get into HR. You know, that was something that I had identified um, kind of early in the university years that this, that's what I wanted to go do. I wanted to get into business and I wanted to work in HR and I wanted to do all things related to talent and, people development and training and development and all the, you know, the snazzy things that, um, that come with being in the function of HR. So that's what I did. I went and I did my undergrad in HR and then, you know, not too, too long after that, that progressed into me doing a post-grad and a master's where I continued to specialize in international HR. And then, you know, quite honestly, I just, I, I fell into my first opportunity. I was very lucky. I um, was a summer student, actually, kind of in my my first summer of university at an organization that took me on, and then they ended up making me permanent. And it was a great opportunity for me just to test the waters, right? Work in payroll, work in compensation, work in mm-hmm. engagement, and just get a feel for what parts of HR that I liked. And, you know, it's one thing that I always encourage, you know, I, I, I teach as well too right now, which, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but it's one thing I always encourage students, right? If you have the opportunity to, to, to get into just anything, like just get go, right? Just jump into it and just give it a go and see, 
see what you like and what you don't like about it. And that for me was really, really impactful, like just being given an opportunity to go try to do something and then, you know, play with it. Do I like it? Do I not like it? Learn from it. And then, you know, realize, okay, I don't like it. So I'm going to stay away from say, you know, that part of HR. So I am my story 23 years in HR to date, um, you know, love, love the profession, have always been um, interested in coaching and teaching. Those were always kind of my two little side hustles that I was doing on the side from doing, (laughs) you know, say my my full time HR job. And, um, you know, just up until last year, actually, I made the decision to just, you know, pivot out of, say, the corporate world and move into starting up my own practice where now I teach at a college level HR and I also do coaching, one-on-one coaching and team coaching. So, you know, my 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 story per se was is has been kind of fun, you know, and, and I know we'll we'll dive into that shortly, but it's uh, you know, moving into teaching and coaching has has been a natural transition for me. And I think too, because it's always been two passions and interests of mine, again, throughout most of my career, it uh it was a it was a really, really easy transition for me and something that I'm, you know, I'm loving doing and enjoying every part of it. That's great. I, I, there, are, there are so many things that I want to dive into that you just said that I think are so impactful, but I think maybe still on the track of um, kind of your career, as you moved through it, you know, you, you tried out a bunch of things early on, but then there were some, you worked some, for some pretty big organizations throughout the, throughout the way. And I think for a lot of people, those could be like, destinations like dream jobs kind of thing so as you moved through those what were the things that that kind of steered you to make those changes what are the those pivots what are the things that were important to you about how you made the pivot and how did you go about evaluating that yeah you know it's um you know one thing it's you know and I I still believe firmly in this I mean even right now to this day right you know just and we we talk a lot about this right just networking right and the mm-hmm. importance of making sure that you know one you network and two you're constantly working on keeping your network active right you know it's not enough to just add people to linkedin and you know maybe talk to them once in your whole career it it it's about adding them but then it's also about just maintaining that right and be active with your network i'm a big 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 believer in that so you know if i think of every opportunity i've had in my career you know quite honestly it it's come my way because of somebody that has been part of my network right it's been mm-hmm. somebody that i have stayed in touch with along the way it's been somebody that i have either worked for along the way that you know was i was fortunate for them to take me with um with them it it's been all networking. It really truly has. So, and I still to to this day live by that. And even if I think of, you know, what I'm doing now with my own practice, you know, a lot of that is through networking as well too, right. And referrals. So, you know, for me kind of moving around and, you know, you know, as you said, kind of working for these big companies, it's really just been because of my network and maintaining and managing my network. The other thing too, I would say that I was very, uh, clear on as well too early on in my career. I knew at some point I wanted to do my own thing in the sense of have my own practice, right? That's That was something that I was always very interested in doing. And I, I realized too early in my career that in order for me to really grow, you know, just grow my breadth in HR and have mm-hmm. that breadth in learning, I need to move industries, right? I need mm. to you know, I'm, I'm somebody that'll say, you know, HR is HR, no matter where you go, but where the learning and the opportunity comes into is if you move industries, right? How you recruit and select 
people in retail is very similar than how you recruit and select people in CPG, but very different industries, very different business challenges, very different strategies, right? And that's where the learning for me personally came into play. So this notion of moving between industries, uh, you know, working in retail, working in consulting, working in CPG was really important for me just as I kind of moved throughout my career and I progressed between different roles. So to answer your question around, you know, what was it really that drew me to those different opportunities? A uh, big part of it was that, right? It was a, about, okay, what what industry do I want to go get some experience in that I don't have, you know, as part of my background? And then two, what learning specifically can I get within that industry? So those have been, you know, just the key things for me that have always been on on um, kind of top of mind for me as I've thought about, you know, what's the next opportunity for me or, you know, where do I go next in my career? Yeah, I think I love that because it, it really speaks to, I think, a couple of things. There's a, it's a contrast, to, I think, to what maybe uh, is commonly thought of from like career development where you go, um, maybe breadth from like a functional standpoint, but mm-hmm. like, I, I think it's great that you're like, you're very unique in terms of like, uh, in a great way, in terms of like guests and perspectives is like, no, I found what I love. I just want to go super broad within this and be as well-rounded in this space as I can. I don't want to be the the jack of all trades or the Jill of all trades. I want to be really well-rounded in this profession and, and kind of identifying what you need to pick up in terms of skills and experiences to round that out. So I think it's, it's awesome to see that it doesn't need to be this like huge, how am I going to grow the breadth of my career and all these different functions. It can be even within a, a more focused space that you can look to do that. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other, the other thing for me too, that I would say that, you know, I loved, I loved taking lateral moves. Mm. I was, I loved it. And people used to always say to me, well, you know, like, you know, why, why Lindsay, why do you, why do you want to go laterally into that role? Like, why aren't you striving for that next promotion or that bigger title or whatever it is? Right. And I just always found that, you know, it's, it's just that breadth, right, that you get across the organization, you know, I've always felt strongly, it's, it's never a race to the top, right? You know, you you get there when you get there, and you get there in the right way. and, And when the time is right, and, you know, the, just the learnings you get, right, when you move laterally across an organization is, you know, just in my experience has been tremendous, not to mention just the different relationships that you build, right? Mm-hmm. You know, going back to that point on networking, building your network continuously, right? So, you know, I think quite often we get we get so consumed with this, okay, I got to get promoted to the next level, then the next time, yeah. go, 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 go to the top. And we forget about the benefits that can really come from, you know, going lateral, go lateral once or twice throughout your career, right? And for me, at least, I would say very, very beneficial. I loved, love, love those opportunities. Yeah, I, again, love that you're, you're here for, for bringing up all of these perspectives that are so contrary, I think, to, to like popular conventional belief. And I think, you know, for myself, I wish I had you to give me that advice through earlier on in my career as well, because struggled just with exactly that you said, those other voices around, what do you mean you're going lateral? Why don't you want to move up? Why don't you take this? Why don't you go for something, you know, higher, bigger, faster? Is there anything that you did to kind of block out those other voices to really, you know, make sure that you're focusing on what's true to you? Yeah, no, you know, that's a great question. I, um, I'll never forget, I'll give an example, I'll never forget this time when I worked at um, Yum Restaurants and uh, so KFC Pizza at Taco Bell, those are mm-hmm. brands. 
And I had an opportunity at the time to go work actually in operations for a short period of time. So get out of HR altogether, go work in operations, which would allowed me at the time to get closer to the PL, get closer to working directly with the franchisees and just learn and 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 understand more the operation side of the business, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I'll never forget, you know, I had, you know, a couple mentors that really steered me in the direction of don't do it, Lindsay, don't do it. If you move into operations, you're going to get stuck into operations. You're going to have a really hard time coming back into HR. And these were individuals that I really, truly looked up to. I mean, mentors, you know, throughout my career that I would constantly take advice from. And I'll never forget um, my GM, actually, that I reported to at Yum at the time. He he was, you know, such an advocate for this, right? And, you know, I'll never forget, he said to me, right? And, and to this day, I'll remember this conversation. We were in his office and he said to me, he said, you know, Lindsay, in order for you to be a really, really good, strong, strategic HR partner, you've got to have the business savvy behind it right? You, you just do, right? And whatever that mm-hmm. equates to in the organization that you're working for, um, you know, you got to go for it. And that really resonated with me. And 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 I think it was at that point, I kind of said, you know what, I've got to continue on just expand my breadth, right? Yeah, I can continue to learn and expand my breadth within HR. But wouldn't it be really cool if I could actually then be able to think more broadly from an operations perspective as well too, right? Mm-hmm. How would that set me up for success? So, so it was, it was interesting. It was a matter of me kind of saying, you know, to the, to those few mentors, okay, you know what, I got to try this, you know, it's a risk. Let me give it a go. Uh, but ultimately I'm so glad that I did. Like I'm, I'm so, so glad that I did. And it did, it gave me an opportunity to understand, you know, the P and L side of the business. It gave me really great insight to understanding operations side of the business. I mean, there was just so many incredible learnings that came out of it. And even though it was such a short period of time, it was, it was well worth it. So, you know, I think quite often we just, you know, a lot of it too is trust your gut, right. You Mm -hmm. know, what feels right, you know, and, and while, yeah, you might have a number of people coming at you with different opinions, you're always going to have that no matter what, but, you know, I think a lot of it too is just reflecting and saying, you know, what just feels right, right? You know, I'm, I'm a big believer on making de- making decisions based on your gut, right? And just what feels right and just go for it. You know, what, yeah. what's the worst that can happen really at the end of the day? So a lot of it for me is cutting out, uh, say, cutting out those voices and just, <laughs> just trusting my gut and going with it. Yeah, I think uh, you said it a couple of times now that, you know, like, just go, just go for it. Just try it. Um, like you mentioned earlier on your career, you, you know, just tried a bunch of different things. And I think that's another thing that, again, I kind of wish I knew and and folks that I talked to as well, kind of see that as like a common problem, this almost paralysis of how do I make the next move with this idea that if I don't make the right next move, then my whole career is doomed or I've like derailed my career irreparably. Mm. Like how do I, is there anything that uh, that you would say to help encourage people, either from your own experience or what you know of, you know the your experience in HR and and thoughts around it to say, it's not the end of the world if something doesn't work out, or there's working out could mean that you just learn that it's not something that you want to do, or is there anything in that space you would offer up as advice? Yeah, you know, and it's 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 interesting. And and a lot of this was, you know, really what drew me into the one-on-one coaching, right? And, you mm. know, I work with a lot of individuals that are going through this this career transition, right? And kind of needing just some help along the way and some coaching along, you know, how do you actually make that transition, right? What does that look like? And it's, you know, it, it's 
I think we all we all suffer from it, right? There's always that level of fear, like, okay, oh my goodness, I've worked so hard and then I'm going to go do this. Is it a mistake? Is it going to set me back? Is it going to make me, you know, potentially look bad, right? We have all mm-hmm. these voices that creep up, right? And, you know, it's it's what we were talking about earlier. It's It's just go for it, take a risk. You know, at the end of the day, especially working for these big global international organizations, there's always going to be opportunities, right? So, you know, if you take a lateral move for a year, right, there's always going to be something that pops up, right? I mean, maybe not at the exact time that you want it to, but it will, right? It will eventually come. So, you know, a lot of it is just, is taking the risk. Um, You know, I would say I'm a huge believer in, you know, no opportunity is a wasted opportunity. You're always going to learn something. I mean, even if you walk away with one learning, or even if you walk away with one new relationship or one new person to add to your network, it's still, it's still worth it, right? It's still something Mm -hmm. different and something new that you acquired and you learned than when you were in the previous role. So, you know, sometimes easier said than done, right? It, (laughs) it, It truly is right. When we, um, when we're in those situations, but you know, if we're, if we're open to to new ideas, if we're open to a little bit of risk and, you know, again, let's, let's not forget that failure is actually a good thing, right? You know, you, you want to fail a little bit, right? I mean, you're only going to go up from there, right? So it's failure is not a bad thing. Lots of learnings come from it. So, you know, for me, I've, I've always tried to just take that approach, this approach of no matter what I'm doing next or where I am or who I'm working for, who I'm working with, there always will be learnings that come that come out of it. Yeah. And I think too, just the way that you walked through your own experience with operations, it's it's not something that you have to do in a bubble or on a whim to just go for. It's not like take something as, as soon as it comes up, but it's be intentional and understand what it can offer you. Like what is what's the best and the worst? And hopefully even the worst is some very intentional addition to your your career repertoire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the same goes for any, even in a team setting too, right? You know, as I think about some of the work that I'm I'm doing with with teams, it's it's the same thing, right? It, it's kind of just this notion of, you know, opening up, being vulnerable, right? Building trust mm-hmm. as a team, trying a different way of working as a group, or trying a different way to communicate with each other, right? It's you could argue slightly risky, yes, right, but but needed right? It needed, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes it's just this notion of let's, let's get a little bit uncomfortable to be comfortable, right? And it's, it's how we grow, right? We stretch ourselves, we do things mm-hmm. that we're not comfortable with. And yeah, it's kind of, it sucks at the time, because we're uncomfortable, <laughs> right? And it's, it's, it puts us out of our comfort zone. But you really, truly do come out above at the end of it. I truly do believe that. Yeah, 100%. I think that's great. So you mentioned too that um, you know you you had a 23 year career within HR and and continuing some of that work or the same vein of work of being very people focused. Um, can you maybe take a step back into the HR space? Um, one of the things we like to do here too is also open up uh, for those that might be unfamiliar, just a lay of the land in terms of different kinds of careers within certain realms that might be available. So can you talk maybe a little bit more about all that HR encompasses and and maybe what's maybe um, more generally accepted and what might be unique to certain organizations where, oh, this, this function lives within HR in you know, most companies, some places it lives somewhere else. Is there anything you can share just kind of a, you know, like a lay of the land? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, 
HR's evolved, right, over over the last several years. And, you know, when it, it's kind of funny because when I when I teach introduction to HR to, you know, entry level HR students, we talk a lot about the history of HR and how it's evolved over the last, you know, several, several years of being known as, you know, the personnel department, right, mm-hmm. that handled all of the administrative work and planned the parties and, you know, <laughs> did all this tactical stuff type of work. And then fast forward to where we are now, it's very much a strategic function, right? They Mm have, you know, HR has a seat at the table and obviously has come a long, long way over the years. And then, you know, the third element I would, I would say to that is the fact that, you know, especially now with COVID, right, that really opened Mm. up, you know, I would say, um, you know, just, just comments and perspectives around, you know, what HR does and what competencies HR people need to have, right? And, you know, and that kind of opened up a whole host of other things that, you know, HR people now need to have as we move through the pandemic. So, you know, it's, um, you know, typically HR for the most part through large organizations, you'll typically have, you know, a group of HR generalists that are really generalist in nature, they will be responsible primarily for working with different groups across the organization to, you know, if I were to summarize in one sentence, really help that business move their, you know, their their talent strategy mm-hmm. forward or their HR strategy forward. And their HR strategy could encompass talent. It could encompass culture, engagement. Um, you know, there's a whole host of things, right, that when we talk about HR strategy, what falls under that. And then the second second grouping you typically would see is HR specialists. So these are individuals that have decided that for, you know, for their career, they want to do just compensation or benefits. They just want to do training and development. They just want to do labor relations, right? Working with unions and bargaining and all that. And these would be individuals that would have pursued their education specifically in that route. So those are typically the two, you know, I would say if I call kind of groupings of of HR type roles that uh, you would see out there, very common for HR people to bounce back and forth from being a generalist to a specialist and then, you know, back to a generalist after being Mm -hmm. a specialist, very common to make that career path. But HR really in a nutshell, you know, and it's it's funny that we're talking about this because it just seems to be evolving every day of every hour <laughs> as we go, right? It seems to be almost impossible now just to keep up with everything that organizations are going through right now, whether it's, you know, managing excessive turnover because people are leaving organizations to go work somewhere else, right? Managing mm-hmm. new generations that are coming through the pipeline and their level of expectations, managing new pressures from, you know, a business perspective with everything we're going on through an economy, right? So, I mean, the, the list just seems to be endless, but the point here is it's, you know, HR is really that function where, you know, you've got to be comfortable to pivot. You've got to be comfortable to be agile. You've got to be comfortable knowing that, okay, here's my plan for Monday, but then your Monday plan gets, you know, somewhat blown up and you very quickly are going to be focused on other things. So lots and lots of change within the HR space, which is good, right? It's good. It's what keeps us, you know, I think on our toes and what keeps us learning. Um, But it really, you know, it, it, the good news is there's plenty of opportunity in HR, especially right now within the market that we're in. And there's all kinds of different career paths you can take, you know, and it's, it's really neat to see that, you know, a lot of organizations, um, you know, they also too value the importance of having HR people and moving them into operations or operations people and moving them into HR, right. And doing a lot of that cross-functional movement is, is really, really, really great to see. And just, 
that itself is only going to help strengthen that HR person to be a stronger HR business partner down the road. So many different ways you can, you know, advance your career within HR just depends really what you enjoy doing, whether you really want to go deep in a specific area of HR or whether you want to be able to kind of touch all aspects of HR and be more on the generalist route. Yeah, I think, too, as you talk through some of those specialist roles, it it kind of also maybe shakes another preconceived or preconceived notion about HR that you've got to focus on, you know, people and interact with people and, you know, all those other things that you talked about that are misnomers from the past of like, oh, you do all the administrative stuff, you plan the parties, you do this, but it's like, if you're doing compensation and benefits, I have to imagine like, you could have a really great mind for numbers and that for numbers and want to mm-hmm. work in that space. And you don't necessarily need to have a whole suite of other skills that somebody in learning and development might need. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and it's, it's, it's great, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, HR professionals that I know that, you know, are very introverted, right? Myself, I'm highly (laughs) introverted, right? You know, I get my energy from, you know, being kind of in my own space on my own Mm one-on-one and, you know, can thrive in HR, right? I think to your point, there's this, there's this perception out there that, you know, to be an HR person, to be a successful HR person, you have to quote unquote, like working with people and you have to have all kinds of energy and be enthusiastic and outgoing, right? When, you know, that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't, I don't know this for a fact. I don't have any data or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised to learn if, if a, most HR professionals are actually more on the introverted side um, mm. and say the extroverted side. So, you know, again, it's to your point, it's just this perception that HR people are, you know, a certain way, right? Quote, unquote. Yeah. Yeah, and I think with the the same vein of kind of misconceptions and all, this is, we'll see how this comes across in terms of like, uh, you know, bugaboo about like HR, like, I just remember my first, my first memory of HR growing up, my my dad worked for a, a large corporation, I just remember, you know, 25 years ago, him, him kind of imparting, you know, corporate wisdom onto me at, yeah. <laughs> at whatever age of like, don't trust HR. They're not there for you. They're there for the company. They're looking out for the company. And uh, it just was this very like uh, black and white us versus them kind of mentality. And right. find, I mean, my own experience, you know, coming up in a in corporate spaces found that to be not true. And, and like you're saying, it's evolved over time. Um, is there anything that you would you would say is maybe other other misconceptions that or maybe bigger misconceptions that you wish would would be dispelled or you see that you encounter often that are just that's not really the right way to or not the right no that's not really the reality of how we want to be perceived or how we operate Mm. yeah you know it's um and again, you know, HR has come a long way over the years, right? You know, and and don't get me wrong, there's still organizations out there that would perceive HR to be you know, not at the table with the other senior leaders Mm -hmm. or not, you know, as equivalent to some of the other functions, right? Unfortunately, there are, right? There's still a number of them out there. But, you know, the the large progressive international organizations, definitely not, right? You know, Mm -hmm. even, you know, some organizations would have HR reporting into ops, right? Because it would Mm -hmm. be perceived that, you know, the HR function is there just to execute, you know, say the operational elements of the business, right? Kind of just going back to this word of execution and tactical type work. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's evolved, right? And, you know, it's, 
aside from kind of what we talked about, just this notion that, you know, HR people have to like working with people or HR mm-hmm. people have to be outgoing people and, you know, extroverted in nature and, you know, HR people have to be creative, right? And and it's almost, you know, almost as if HR people have to have all of these soft skills, right? Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, that, that people, people should have, which again, is not necessarily the case, right? And, you know, a lot of that will just come with the fact that, you know, HR, HR gets involved in terminations, right? HR people have to get involved, obviously, in having difficult conversations or coaching people, right? Dealing with the things that maybe other people don't necessarily want to deal with, sure. right? Yeah. So the, the perception with that comes with, oh, well, you know, you need to have, you need to be a people person and have all these different people skills in order to do that type of work when, you know, that's not the reality, right? Whatsoever. So you know, it's, um, and a lot of people too, you know, I, I often hear this, you know, people say, you know, I didn't even really understand what HR entailed until I was actually in it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that tells me that we still, there's still quite the perception out there of what HR is or should be and what HR people are actually doing. Yeah. It's funny. It's uh, as you, as you were talking through the, you know, larger multinational and global corporations, you know, there's, you know, different, maybe more progressive stances towards HR. But I think just what you illustrated at the end too, it's almost the bigger the organization too, the bigger opportunity there is for for people not knowing anything outside of their function, maybe not even potentially understanding the full breadth of what those other groups within a function might do. So I think the bigger you get kind of the almost <laughs> counterintuitively, the bigger opportunity for not understanding all that might be available. Um, that's like, for you in a career um, yeah is so yeah so I think um you mentioned uh you 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 are an educator as well within the HR space um so how did you end up uh being an educator what brought you to that yeah, so I, I've been teaching now for a while, and it was always something that I was doing on the side. I, I'll never forget. I think it was maybe it was seven, maybe eight years ago. Now, I had an opportunity just, you know, to to teach one course right at night. So I started with that, and I loved it. I loved it. I I just I don't know. I fell right in love with it, and I I think a lot of it was just the fact that you know, you're you're helping students, you're educating students, you're sharing your own experiences with students. You know, I often talk about if I could go back again and do anything differently, right? Here's what I would do differently, you know, Mm. try and learn from my mistakes if you can. (laughs) Um, And the other reason why too, I I really enjoyed it was I, I, I felt strongly that, you know, I remember when I did my, my degree at university, you know, I, I, there was just so much theory, right? They taught me, you know, all the theories and the processes and, you know, the, the diagrams and the charts, everything you can imagine around theory when it comes to HR. And then I remember actually getting into HR when I started and it was completely the opposite almost mm. right, of what I, what I was taught to, <laughs> what I was taught in school. And I just remember thinking like, it just, wouldn't it be great if we could be have more of a practical approach to teaching for students, right? Especially mm-hmm. in the field of HR where, you know, there's no textbook that tells you how to terminate somebody effectively. There's no textbook that tells you how to have a, you know, a crucial conversation. I mean, these are things you learn once you're in the situation on the job, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I remember that kind of, that always stuck with me. And then when I had an opportunity to move into the teaching, I was like, you know what, I want to take this opportunity to just teach differently. And yeah, I'm going to teach the theory because that's important. You need, you need that. But equally important is you need the practical application and learning side of it as well, too. So 
yeah, one course turned into two courses, two courses turned into three courses. And then before you knew it, I had, you know, just a number of courses that, and I was loving it. I was loving it. And it was probably about five years ago, I realized, you know what, I want to do more of this. I hadn't figured out exactly what the more of this looked like yet, but I knew that I wanted to, I wanted to have more of an impact, right, with the Mm. student population. And I wanted to be given just that opportunity to just share, right, as much as I possibly could. So that's how I fell into it. And then, um, yeah, I spend, you know, probably about 50% of my time now teaching at two colleges in the HR programs and the business programs to, you know, variety of postgraduate HR students, um, entry-level HR students. So I've caught, you know, quite a vast group <laughs> that um, that I get, you know, the pleasure to have some time with. So it's been, uh, yeah, no, I just love it. I love it. Yeah. Is there anything, I mean, you mentioned the the ever-evolving, almost by the minute pace of, of HR with, you know, everything that's happened in the last three years and just generational changes. Um, what do you what do you do to help prepare your students in those regards for I mean, I have to imagine that there's there's theories and they're, they're pretty, pretty consistent and pretty applicable. But how do you also modify those theories and teach what you teach to your experience in the, you know, the, the current day? Yeah, I typically, you know, I, I like to, you know, as to your point, right, the, th- the theory is important, we need to understand the theory. So, you know, my my approach with a lot of this stuff tends to be, okay, let's, let's learn the theory, right? Here's, here's what the theory tells us. And then let's talk about, you know, just some real life examples, right? I tend to, I tend to keep things, you know, for those that know me know that I'm a, a very simple minded person, I try to keep things incredibly super, super simple. And, and that's the way essentially I teach, right? It's let's mm-hmm. learn the theory and then let's talk about some, some real life practical examples of, you know, situations that have, that have risen. And a lot of that I draw from my own experience, um, very big on bringing, you know, just guest speakers into my classes of people that I've worked with over the years to share their experiences. And quite honestly, I, I, I save a, a good chunk of my lecture time for just like, dialogue and discussion and giving the students an opportunity to ask questions and you know as we know there's a number of topics right now that are really you know prominent within the HR space diversity and inclusion wellness right all kinds of topics that um, you know lots of visibility on them right now and those are the types of topics that I try and bring let's talk current situations let's talk current issues that HR people are faced with or organizations in general are faced with so it just it it's just this approach of you know let's do a blend let's do a blend of both let's understand and learn the theory but then let's also just talk about the concept in a practical way through open discussion and you know as i get feedback from students right i'm always asking right how are you feeling how are you feel it's it's those experiences that they find to be the most valuable and how you know they find to they find that they're learning right they're learning it essentially really comes from from those experiences so which is great. Right. And that's what it should be about, you know, and, and, and could you, could you do that in some of these other functions? You know, probably not, but in HR, absolutely you can. It's so important that we are evolving our conversations constantly. Cause like we said before, HR Mm -hmm. is just constantly changing what feels like, you know, by the hour. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, just the, that practicality that you bring in, I just reflecting back to classes I used to take it was like man you can really tell when you're just being read theory from the book like it's yeah. a, this all sounds great in a perfect world where everything lines up exactly like it should but 
if you've worked for a little while, you know that that's very rarely the case. So it's it's great to to hear that that's a focus for you to bring in the here's how things really play out or how you can use the theory instead of relying on the theory as a, a, a jumping off point, but here's how you can apply it. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, so you mentioned to you up until about the last year, you were in that corporate space in addition to teaching. Speaking of pivots, what what led you to, to eventually leave that corporate space? And can maybe talk about where you're spending the other 50% of your time aside from edu- uh, educating today? Yeah, so the, the other, you know, 50% of my time um, is is more so now in the coaching space. So coaching, either working with individuals one-on-one or um, working with teams, which I'm, I'm absolutely loving. And, you know, working on different things, right? You know, depending on what the objectives are that the team is trying to accomplish, whether that's, you know, help us be more effective as a team, help us sort out what our ways of working as a team are going to be, you know, help us even just, you know, have some time together and get to know mm-hmm. each other, right? And and understand, you know, our different working styles and understand each other on more of a personal level. So I um, love, love, love the space, loving working with individuals, loving working with teams and, um, you know, just loving really the whole coaching element side of it. So why did I pivot? You know, it's, it's a couple of reasons for me. One, it was, again, it was always something that I knew I wanted to do at some point in my career. It was just a matter of, you know, the right, the right time and the right place and just, you know, making that decision and pulling the bandaid off and just going for it. Right. <laughs> so um, for me, the first thing was, it was just something that I always aspired to do. The second thing for me is, is I've had a coach pretty much my whole career, right. Thinking back, I've, mm. I've always had a coach and I just, you know, if I reflect and I think about if I didn't have that coach throughout my career, where would I be? And it was just such a valuable like asset and help for me. Like I, I almost couldn't imagine my career without my coach. So I was always intrigued by it. And I, I, I got so many personal gains out of it that I, I knew I wanted to do that myself for others. Right. It was so helpful for me. And, you know, I've thought I want to be that person for other people and I want to help people in that way that I've been helped through my coach. So there was a real, I guess you could say just um, personal connection, right. With coaching. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, it's interesting, you know, coaching, you know, has so many definitions out there. Right. And so many people have different perceptions of what coaching is. And I, and I think coaching can be whatever you want it to be. Right. It's whatever Mm -hmm. you define it to be, but the point being is, you know, just having somebody there that you can bounce ideas off of that will ask you those, you know, those, those more powerful questions, right. That you can be open with, you can be vulnerable with, you can be, you know, you can ask those maybe what you think are silly questions without, you know, thinking that you're, you know, being silly and mm-hmm. having to ask your boss or a coworker, right. You know, there's almost like just no judgment when it comes to having that coach and that person that you can talk to. So, so those are my two reasons. That's why I decided to do it. And um, again, like I said, it was just a matter of time for me and and when the right opportunity was going to be. And again, I tend to have an element of, I like taking risks. I like kind of just going for it and seeing what happens. So for me, it was like, okay, it's time. Let's do this. I feel ready. You know, I feel confident in the experience that I have. I feel confident in you know, the, um, you know, hopefully the network that I've built over the years that let's just go and give this a go. And mm. I'll, I'll never forget the first, you know, the first six months, six, eight months of, you know, we're hard, right. And, you know, you, 
much different than, you know, say working in corporate, going off on your own. But I always came back to this, to the one, one thought of, you know, what's the worst that can happen, right? Mm -hmm. If this doesn't work out for me, if I fail at this, that's okay. I'll have some learnings, right? They'll have some new, you know, call it tools, you know, under my Mm -hmm. belt. And, you know, I can, I, I go back into HR, right? That's, that's really the worst that can happen. So, you know, it's, it's for me, it's always about going back and, you know, just take those risks, right? Again, easier said than done sometimes. But if, if you have the ability and you have the opportunity, just, just go for it. Yeah, I think love the couple of things you mentioned, as you highlighted, like, finding that coach that you can ask the specific questions and coaching can really be anything. So just the importance of if you are looking for a coach that you find the right coach, like somebody that you can be vulnerable with and have those conversations. So I love the, the emphasis that the coaching isn't a one size fits all. Not every coach is the same. Not every individual looking for coaching is looking for the same things. And then mm-hmm. just, I think too, the underscoring your emphasis on network as well. Like you said, like it almost sounds like there was a feeling of, of uh, preparedness and a kind of confidence behind that. Just go for it, knowing that, You've done you've done the work to cultivate and maintain your network in a way that you knew that there was there was a, a like a not a safety net necessarily but you, there was something to go back to like you weren't burning mm-hmm. bridges along the way, right? Yeah, right. And and you know and and quite honestly, you know, I have to I have to give a shout out. Like, there's been, you know at least there's six individuals that I can say confidently that, you know, have been a tremendous help for me, you know, have been there when I've called them to say, okay, I don't know what the heck I've just done. I think I just made a mistake. What have I done? What have I done? And just kind of helped and talked me through it. Right. So it's, it's, um, you know, it's, they've been incredibly helpful. Right. And I think it's, it's, it's being comfortable and being okay and being vulnerable to lean on that network and being okay to say, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? Or, you know what? I think I made a mistake. Can you help me through it? Right. And just being, being okay with that and accepting that. Right. I know it's hard for all of us to accept failure, right. Or to accept the fact that maybe we've made the wrong decision on something or we regret a decision, whatever it may be. But, um, but there's always going to be people in your network that will help you, right. There always will be people that will help along the way. So it's, it's, it's a matter of leveraging that. Right. And, you know, and then reciprocating that back to your network, right. When those people need help on their end too. So, you know, this give and take, you know, mentality is important and, um, but there's always going to be people there that will kind of help lift you up. Yeah. I think that's a, just from conversations I've had with, with others as well, just, uh, I think that's a, a point that can't be emphasized enough that, that you're not putting somebody else out. If you're asking for help, like if, it's okay to ask for help and people want to help. Um, so yes. I think not being afraid to do that is for whatever reason, it feels like there's a stigma or right? I don't want to impose. I don't want to take up people's time. Like why would they help me kind of thing? I think more, more often than not, people generally want to help. So I think I, I just love that call out that you know, people will be there. Use your network and use like, don't abuse your network, but don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, you know, it was a, a bigger decision to to kind of make the move was there what what about that first six months did you find particularly difficult maybe to to help others that might be thinking about something similar to just consider that they might not have considered about what that transition looks like yeah you know it's you know a couple things I I would say you know I think I think the first thing for me the big big biggest transition for me was missing having a team you Mm. know I've always 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 enjoyed you know, having a team, working with the team. And, you know, I'm just, 
I've got quite a bit of red in me. I'm very action <laughs> results driven. So, you know, just this notion of having a team that you can rally with to, you know, make a plan, um, you know, execute against that plan, get the wins, get the results, and then celebrate as a group, right? That, mm-hmm. that for me was hard. And quite honestly, still to this day, I do, I do miss that element of things because, you know, you go from that to now you're, you know, a team of one, right? Just yourself and your mm-hmm. solo. So for me, that was, that was a big one, right? So what I'm, what I'm doing right now, um, personally for me is I'm, I'm, I'm working on ways that I can just stay connected with certain teams, right. Or certain groups of people so that I'm still getting that fulfillment of team involvement. Yeah. It's not the same as, you know, a corporate team per se, but I'm still, I still have the ability to work with a group of people to learn from that, you know, we can celebrate wins together with, right. Things like that. So that's one thing that I'm working on right now to kind of just help me, um, almost kind of close that gap, right. Of what I miss. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first thing was just this notion of going from, you know, you'll be parts of teams, you'll be leading teams, you'll be overseeing teams. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're just your team of one, right. It's yourself. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing for me. The second thing for me, which was a massive learning was just underestimating, you know, all the little things, right. When you're setting up your own practice, you know, you got to buy a laptop, you don't have tech support Mm. anymore, you got (laughs) to get a printer, right? All these things that, you know, we, we laugh about, but for me personally, I definitely took for granted. So, you know, that was a whole new learning for me that I wasn't really anticipated. Quite honestly, I'm not too sure how at the time I thought I was going to manage that stuff, but (laughs) it was, it just became a whole new area of learning that, you know, I just was like, all right, let's do this, right? Let's jump into it and figure out how we're, how we're going to manage all this stuff. So, you know, that, that for me, just this, the idea of all, just all these little things, right. That you never really have to think about when you're working for a corporation or always taken care of. Right. And now all of a sudden they're not. And then the third thing for me, um, through this transition was just the, you know, the, the shift of what it does to you personally. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me personally, right. Very used to working long days, long weeks. Right. It was just the norm. It's just what I did my whole career. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden shifting from that to going to, okay, you know, I I've got some more days off during the week now, or I'm not, you know, maybe one day I'm only working four hours or another day I'm working two hours. So Mm -hmm. I, very much underestimated the impact that that transition takes on just your body, like your physical, like health and just you physically, it's quite an adjustment. Like it, it took me longer than I thought it would. And, um, it's just, yeah, it's just a change, right? It's just a change that I didn't really plan for. And, you know, you, you spend your time just kind of reevaluating. Now you have some more time on your hands, right? Sure. Which sometimes when you have more time, that's not a good thing because then you <laughs> think more, right? And then when you're thinking more, you're analyzing more, right? And then you, all of a sudden you're going down this rabbit hole. Yeah. But it, um, but what I quickly learned about myself was I love now my thinking time, right? So fast mm. forward a year later, I'm now like if I don't have thinking time every day, I'm like scrambling. I feel like out of place, right? I have to carve out time to think and just dedicate to that. So whereas before I never did that, right? I I, I just didn't carve out time for, my, for myself to do it, which is wrong. I should have, mm-hmm. but I've learned that that piece is now something that I really value and that I love and that no matter what I do next in my career, where I go, I have to carve out time for that. That's such a big component now of what makes me happy and what, you know, I think makes me, um, enjoy what I do. 
So it's been, those are probably the three biggest things I would say. It's um, yeah. Like, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a transition, (laughs) right? It's a big transition that, you know, it, it, um, it, it has its advantages and it has its disadvantages, right? Like anything, I guess. Yeah. No, I love the the call for the thinking time. And I think even for, even for those in like a corporate environment, like just what you said, underscoring the importance of, of devoting time and prioritizing time for what you need to to keep you energized or to keep you you healthy and engaged because I think it's easy enough to schedule it in the calendar like book it in the diary and then realize mm-hmm. oh somebody booked a meeting I can I can give up this time this is this was just me time anyway I don't need it like it's usually the first yeah. thing to get cut when you need the time so I love the the expression of importance in that space and then too to take a step back for those that might have missed it like the call out of you being read so just the the shout out to like the insights profile like personality profile and just I think too to underscore as well that all types any type of person there's no like one prototypical this is an HR professional where you'd think they're you know maybe green or yellow people oriented or very social it's like you can be very objective oriented action oriented and still be a very successful HR professional so again just the I, I love that hidden in there was was kind of the the expression of you don't, you don't need to fit one cookie cutter mold to, to fit into a certain profession. Yeah. Yeah. No, well said. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we are, we're just about out of time. So we're, we're to the favorite part that I have of, of these interviews where I get to ask you about the coolest thing you've ever done in your career. The one thing that stands out is like, man, I can't believe I got to do this. This was, this is something I'm always going to remember. What, what would that be? Yeah. So I would, I would say making the shift that I did, you know, and, and it might seem a tad boring because I know we've been talking about this, <laughs> right. And, and, um, but for me, it truly is, it really is to date for me. It is the coolest thing I've done. I've done in my career, you know, and for me, it, it is the coolest thing because it's, you know, it took me out of my comfort zone. It forced me into, you know, a different industry that, you know, I didn't necessarily have a lot of experience in, but I was prepared to learn, right, and figure it out as I went. Um, And it just challenged me, right? It Mm. just challenged me. And those are all three things that for me, uh, that put me out of my comfort zone, but ultimately end up pushing me to be better at what I'm doing. So it is, it's had its bumps along the way. Don't get me wrong. There's been some tough times along the way, but it's been for me, it's just been the coolest thing that I've done so far. And, you know, I find now that, you know, I wake up every day and I'm like, I've got a hundred things on my brain, but they're all things that excite me, right. That get me really excited to go figure out, right. Or dive into that problem to go figure out a solution. So yeah, that's the coolest thing for me. And I'm just, you know, I'm looking forward to just continuing to grow in this space and learn. And, you know, I'm, I'm working with, you know, different types of industry of people. I'm working with like lawyers on productivity. And I mean, Mm. who would have ever thought Lindsay was working with lawyers on productivity, right? Who would have ever (laughs) thought that, but you just, you know, you just kind of fall into these areas and you meet people along the way. And again, as long as you're open to it and you have a little bit of okayness to take that risk, then, you know, there really is endless opportunities out there. There really truly are. So Mm. that's my coolest thing. That's awesome. And then maybe flip side, you've, you've dropped a lot of nuggets of wisdom, but is there one thing from your own career experience that you wish that maybe you knew earlier on that you'd really embrace that you'd want to impart onto others? 
Yeah, I, I would say diversify yourself, right? You know, mm-hmm. don't get so um never stop being curious, right? Mm-hmm. Is is probably my biggest thing. Never stop learning, never stop asking questions, never stop being curious and just keep the learning going, especially for folks that are in HR or aspire to be in HR or want to have a career in HR. That skill set is so important, right? Being agile, being curious. Um you know, because again, you're never going to know what's going to hit your desk, right? I mean, who mm. would have predicted a pandemic would have come and, you know, the HR function would have been responsible for, you know, return to work plans to get right. people back in offices, <laughs> right? And mass policies and all this stuff, right? That obviously is important and is needed. Yeah. But we could have never predicted that that's what HR people, you know, were going to be doing now, right? So it's for me, it's always stay curious, keep asking questions and just always keep learning. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine there's a, return to work and mask policy chapter in most HR textbooks. <laughs> There's not, so. <laughs> right? There's not. If only there would be. Oh my goodness. If only there was, that would make things probably a lot easier. But but yeah, no, there's not, right? So right. be curious and keep asking questions. Yeah, that's great. Well, Lindsay, thanks so much for your time. I want to also um, give a uh, give you a chance. For how can people find you or how can people reach out if uh, they want to add you to their network and stay engaged or want to learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, no, thanks so much, Patrick. Yeah, so the best, the best avenue I would say would be LinkedIn. So, you know, just connecting directly on LinkedIn and, you know, sending a message if, um, if interested in anything, and I'd be happy to chat and explore and go from there. Great. Well, Lindsay, thanks so much for your time. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much, Patrick. This was great. Thank you. This interview is so much fun. And there are so many nuggets of wisdom that I feel anyone can apply to their career whether they're just starting out or are seasoned and looking for their next move. The best part about the range of advice that Lindsay served up is that it included not only reinforcement of what you may have heard before from others, but there were also helpful contrasting views to common career advice that shed new light on things that you may take for granted. I also love the continuing theme of just going for it and the confidence that doing so doesn't need to be scary so long as you prepare and plan your career, so that if you do happen to fail, you learn from the experience and have an infrastructure in place for your career to keep you moving forward. If you're not sure how to build a career plan for yourself that can help instill that sense of confidence, I invite you to listen to the first five episodes of this podcast, where I walk through how to build a career plan based on aligning what you're good at, what you like to do, what the world needs, and what you can be paid for, all in the interest of getting you to where you want to go. Episode six also talks about the Harada method, and I share one of my favorite goal setting tools that I use not only for myself in personal and professional settings, but I've also found it's helpful in a team environment as well. One area that Lindsay did mention the importance of is networking, and I couldn't agree more, but there's absolutely a spectrum of networking and degrees of effectivity. Be on the lookout for an episode in the near future where I'll go into more detail about effective networking and how you can find the right way to incorporate networking into your career journey. As always, if you have any thoughts or questions about this episode or ideas you'd like to hear covered in future episodes, you can send them to me at patrick at prgscoach.com. If you also have a unique career story of your own or feel as though you have something to offer the world as far as career development advice goes, I'd love to hear from you and see about having you on for a future career deep dive episode. And with that, I'll sign off with a certain type of perfection can only be realized through a limitless accumulation of the imperfect. Thank you again for listening in and we'll talk more in our next episode.